There is a ton of energy work out there that you could do multiple times a day. It's really resetting the body and resetting and being like taking yourself truly from your brain back into your body and breathing or doing yoga, facilitating that mind-body connection. And 10 times out of 10 will always, always help you release some energy that you've taken on to be your own. So if you've ever wondered, am I burnt out right now? Am I taking on too much? Am I completely overwhelmed? You most likely are. In fact, many of us are. I think we're so conditioned not to believe that about ourselves and we just keep pushing through anyway. But this next guest really kind of gets into the heart of the matter and talks about what burnout really is, what to do about it, and how it really is preventing us from living our most fulfilling life. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. Hey everybody, today's guest is a consultant, leadership coach, and social impact strategist. She's the owner of B Renovo, a consulting firm dedicated to creating high impact executive teams and skilled nonprofit professionals who have fulfilling personal lives. I imagine that's really hard for people that are in the nonprofit world. They're super dedicated to their work. Uh, she's passionate about creating high performing nonprofits in order to provide the best care to families who are facing poverty, human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and reentry. Please welcome Brittany Jewett, everybody. Hey. Thank you for being here. Thanks for yeah, having me. It's amazing. Me. It's so good to have you here. And again, I've had the fortune of having Brittany come speak to my YPO forum and just watch her work her magic. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. So I'd love to kind of start out with more of a personal question, which uh, I think will kind of illuminate the path for us, which is when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, easily a veterinarian. I love animals. I'm a big animal lover. It was the biggest thing I've ever wanted to be. And at some point, one of my sisters was like, you know, you have to like put animals to sleep, right? And I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big barrier there. That's good. Um, yeah. And from that, do you, I mean, do you have pets yourself? I do. I have a dog. Mm -hmm. Only yeah. one? I thought you wanted yeah. to be a vet. What's going on here? I know. We used to live on a farm and had a bunch of things roaming around. That's the dream, right? <laughs> Amazing. Do you ever see yourself sometime in the future revisiting that dream or is it long, long since sailed? That has long since sailed, but I absolutely do see myself uh, back on a farm with a bunch, being surrounded by a bunch of dogs and chickens and geese and goats. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching, there was a show. I don't remember if it was a Netflix show or something like that, but there was this guy he, I guess he lived on a farm in Colorado with four dogs and they had sheep and he's like, what else is there? And I was like, he may be right. He actually may be right. All this time I'm running around New York trying to build all these things. Maybe it's the guy with the dogs and the sheep who wins. It's the farm life. <laughs> yeah. One of these days. So I'm not, I'm not done with that dream yet. Maybe at some point I'll get over my need to be going a million miles an hour and just hang out with animals. Um, yeah. So with all that said, uh, clearly you have not gone in that direction, but it no. sounds like it's still 
uh, in many ways helping others, whether it's helping animals or helping people. There seems like there's this desire to help that's kind of innate to who you are. Yes, it absolutely is. I've always had a really sensitive spirit and it ended up I was born and raised in New Jersey. So I also was like, in, you know, nurtured into the go a million miles an hour. I thought I'd be like living in New York City my whole adult life um, with a hundred thousand percent pace. But at some point I pivoted to really wanting to get to know what makes people tick, what motivates people, what makes people want to change. And that took me on a path towards social work. Um, so I am a licensed master level social worker. That means I'm just like a part-time associate therapist, as well as doing a lot of the consulting and leadership work that I do. Um, and in that, that really just uh, kind of prepares you and equips you to see like, what do people really need aside from all of the assumptions that we are putting out there and putting on them? Let's like really listen and take the time to see how we can design life for somebody in a way that they can really grab hold of it in a way that they really want. So, so what, what, what was that moment for you? Like, you know, again, you're on the track for this, like the fast paced life in New York, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going to be asking about burnout today. That's obviously the topic of the show yeah. Yeah. Uh, for selfish reasons. Uh, <laughs> but like, what, what was that moment? Is there a particular breaking point where you were like, I just need to take a left turn here? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer uh, to, to like be like a, maybe like a civil um, attorney work in social justice of some kind. And I was given loving, gentle guidance to not go that route. Like there are other routes to do that. And, um, and I pivoted and I fell in love with psychology, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the, the fast, uh, $300,000, $200,000 worth of debt is not like the direction you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> How far did you go down the whole uh, law Not side? Not far. Of Not okay. far. A year in my undergrad. Okay. Yeah. So that was enough to know that wasn't for you. Mm -mm. Nope. I did pre-law and it was like, no, I switched to English or I switched to psychology. And I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. And now I have to make a living. <laughs> well, it's incredible. I mean, truly, even as I'm reading, you know, your your bio, I hear this desire to help others that may not be able to help themselves. And when you spoke about being a vet, it's the same thing. Like animals that can't help themselves. So it seems like you are the justice warrior for, for, for many of us. And uh, and kind of going into that, I'd love to learn more about, uh, you know, just burnout for, especially for the types of people that are generally listening to the show. I think there's a lot of people that have spent most of their life stuffing down the pain, the discomfort, the fear, and just saying, go, go, go. There's a promised land on the other side of this. And the show really, I mean, the whole concept of the show is for most people, there is no promised land. You just do it. Mm -hmm. You break and realize like, wait a minute, I was chasing the impossible. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is burnout? How do you describe it? Because I'm not even sure I really understand it. Yeah. So there have been several definitions of burnout over the years since around 1970. But I think the biggest one that people re resonate with and the research um, resonates with is emotional exhaustion. So um, it's kind of that state where you really can't give anymore. You can't have any more compassion. You're just really, really zapped. You have a hard time thinking clearly. And then that emotional exhaustion ends up manifesting in our bodies. Sometimes it will show up as digestive issues or high blood pressure, um, uh, just, you know, tension in our shoulders, our neck. And it really just relates to the fact that I have nothing left to give. 
And so for people that you've worked with, I mean, are there, are these the kinds of people that like, as you're talking to them, you're like, you, I already know you're in burnout, even if you have no idea. Is it like, it's almost visible that someone is experiencing that? Yeah. Yeah. And they usually actually say things like the promised land and um, <laughs> doubling a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> Should I let myself out? I don't know. This is getting too real. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there is usually a, a state, a state of success that people are looking for or a state of being that is not in this present moment. And that is often what I find like can cut people into two, you know, like there is this life that is in front of you right now that you have. Then there is this future life that you're striving to do. And this life that's in front of you, you have to find out, is it, are there costs to, to it, to get to that? And when I say like emotional exhaustion, it's not just at work, it's the demands of everyday life, whether it's your household chores coming in, the needs of your partner, the needs of your children, the needs of your parents, you pour all of that onto one human person, the phone's going off nonstop, and it's all combined, it's like, I have nothing left to give any of these things. So something has to uh, not get it all for the mm. sake of the future. Um, so as I'm, you know, as I'm listening to you, what, what, what's really hard for me to process in a lot of this is I imagine that many times the people that you work with are coming to you, they probably have some awareness that they have a problem. But in mm -hmm. this case, people are listening to this show going like, I'm kind of, maybe I'm kind of curious to know a little bit more about burnout, but I'm not really burnt out. Like I, I imagine even for me, there's a little bit of denial of like, you know, it's, it's, I'm a little tired, but I'm not that burnt out. So like, what is, what is life supposed to be like? Like, I'm yeah. actually wondering if I've just never known what it was like not to be burnt out. Yeah. Well, that's a really, really good question. And I found that a lot. I recently did another podcast with friends is talking about this term protecting your peace. And not a lot of people know what that is. Not a lot of people know what it actually feels like to experience like an inner sense of calm and alignment where you are really centered and grounded in your space. And in fact, I would say that you're seeing in like leadership terms, you're seeing a lot more article com articles come out saying there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's no such thing as you can't achieve this. It's not possible. And, you know, I, I'm not I can't speak for everybody, but I can say that you can tell like when you're not in alignment. That's the best way to know. You can tell when something is off. And something is kind of broken within. You might not have words for it. You might not call it your inner alignment or your self-nourishment or your peace. But you can tell when you're running yourself into the ground and nobody and, and everybody needs more from you. Does that help? Does that make sense? Yes. I don't want <laughs> it to, but it does. Like yeah. I, I just can't even think of a moment in my adult life where I didn't feel like I was being pulled in so many different directions or like, you know, again, getting into the deeply psychological stuff is I always felt responsible for everyone else's experience around me. And now as a CEO, even more so, it's like I have a hundred people that I want to make sure they're having a good experience and their family's happy, happy with the experience that, that the employees are have, you know, having with yeah. us. And 
So there's like so much of a sense of burden all the time. And I'm, I'm wondering like, is that just the nature of a CEO role or is it the nature of a leadership position where people care about their teams or is that actually not the way it's supposed to be? Uh, I would say that is the way it's supposed to be, but with a caveat. So I don't get to work with a lot of CEOs who care about their employees' families. So that's amazing. You know, like, I, I just want to applaud you for that level of care and intention that you bring oh, you. to the work. Like, there are not a lot of CEOs thinking, how will these all these things impact this situation or that situation? You know, so that's one thing I can say. But the caveat is the self-awareness required to know when somebody else's energy becomes your energy is sky high, like high priority, right? So there's a difference between weighing all your options, taking in all the information, nurturing your team, and driving yourself into the ground with all of that, or letting it go and figuring out how to multi multiple times a day, let the energy that is yours be yours and let the energy that is not yours not be yours. We'll be able to like let people go and let the pressure valve pressure valve release a little bit. Um, because there's just there's no CEO that's gonna get it right a hundred percent of the time. And the fact that you're thinking and you're caring and you're leading with a heart is really the highest priority. Your employees are gonna know your intention. But you also have to release them and release that as a burden that might crush you. You know, that's a big burden to carry. Do you have advice on how to let go of those burdens? And, and again, the main reason for the question is I know so many yeah. people, there was a story that uh, I read, I think it was on Quora or Reddit or something like that. And it said, someone asked, like, what's the easiest way to become a millionaire? And the answer was, there's two ways. One is be so insecure and so not ever feeling like you're enough that you must, you must become a millionaire and you'll drive yourself there. Like wheels come off, who cares? You'll still get there or be an artist at something. I like truly love something. And maybe you'll be one of the lucky few who makes it while you're passionate about something. So like, I, I know more people in the first camp, they're right. still trying to prove that they're enough. So how does someone release that burden knowing that that is part of the nature of the personality type? Oh, I want to answer this in two ways that I'm going to, put my therapist hat on and say that that is probably a, a deep belief of inadequacy. And I really strongly believe in therapy and, and helping people work through feelings of inadequacy. It comes from somewhere, right? And I heard a great quote that said, um, therapists make great coaches because they know where the line is. They know when you're like talking to somebody and you're like, that's a therapeutic issue, not a coaching issue. Right. So I'm not going to go into an organizational health consulting firm situation where I can see the CEO needs some really deep therapy. And I'm, I'm not going to provide that. But I will say for people who are dealing with intense feelings of inadequacy, that can be fixed. That can be healed. You can experience emotional freedom and healing. And it's a really wonderful feeling. That's the first thing. The second thing is I do like coaches, executive coaches or life coaches because they're solutions focused um, and might be a nice in-between with therapy. And they can ask you, this is what I asked your YPO team was, before I give you five hard skills of what Nick can go take away to not take on people's energies, I want to know why you do it in the first place. 
I want to know what you're thinking about it. And if you don't take on their energy, then what does that mean? And I want you to do some like internal reflection on that. Because then you realize that where your motivation lies, and once you realize where your motivation lies, then you can change. And that's when we can get talking into that skill set, which is there is a ton of energy work out there that you could do multiple times a day. It's really resetting the body and resetting and being like taking yourself truly from your brain back into your body and breathing or doing yoga, facilitating that mind-body connection, 10 times out of 10 will always, always help you release some energy that you've taken on to be your own. There's a Mm. lot of loving kindness meditations. And I know this is really hard for people who don't experience a lot of gentleness toward themselves. Some of these loving kindness meditations actually encourage you to literally say the name of the thing that you're holding on to and release it and let it go. Um, And it's a practice, but it helps. You know, it helps over time. It's like building a muscle. Nobody's going to start a meditation practice, a guided meditation practice and be like, wow, that was that was wonderful. Everyone's (laughs) that was terrible. (laughs) It doesn't make it wrong. Yeah, I mean, my personal experience in this, and again, I've done a lot of meditation, a lot of therapy, a lot of all different types of stuff, like yes. coaching, you name it. Yes. What I've found is for me, when we create more awareness, it's actually really shitty for a while because I'm like, now I feel all my feelings. Like, I didn't want to feel all that stuff. I've spent decades stuffing that down. Mm-hmm. Now I feel it. But I guess that's when I get to get to work, right? Like, now yeah. I have the clarity to be able to do something about it. So I guess it does get better before it gets worse generally. Yeah, well, let me tell you, that is true for organizational health and leadership development. There are There's a ton of research out there about how teams get together. They decide they're going to do this thing together. They're going to be more transparent. They're going to do the five dysfunctions of a team. They're going to just really do the organizational health thing. And they start saying the things. And they just start unearthing the things. And they go, and they tank. like, And then they go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> This was the worst idea ever. Please go back into our offices and pretend like none of this existed. This isn't work. This is therapy. Like, what did I have come to sign up for therapy? And it's just like, it's not therapy. You know, nobody wants you to do group therapy at work. Nobody wants your boss to be your therapist. No one wants that. But it getting all the information on the table does help you make better decisions. And when you make better decisions and you have more trust and transparency and alignment, things slowly start to come back up. Then you start to perform and then you start to get the outcomes that you're looking for. Um, But it is a common thing. It's a common thing in couples counseling. You go to couples counseling and you think this, my marriage is so much worse than it was before until it starts getting better. Mm. Yeah, that's, I mean, sitting with discomfort, that's like a theme of what I talk about so much on this podcast, because it's yes. something I'm just terribly bad at. Yeah, I'm like, this feels not good. Let me go get into action or soothe yeah. or find some other way to deal with it. But it actually yeah. is really nice to hear that. It's nice to set that expectation of, you know, I think we all, I would assume most leaders of organizations, most people in general have that gut instinct of something's not right here. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid to go and poke at anything because the narrative I grew up with was like, don't poke around in my mind. Cause if you do, you're just making things worse. Like it's better for you yeah. to stay out of my head. And then that initial experience of these conversations validates that fear. 
Yeah. And it's like, all right, breaks on. That's why I said we weren't going to do this, but it's nice to hear. It's like, you just got to stick out that first part Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the gifts come a little bit down the road. So yeah, delayed gratification for the win once again. Um, And and Nick, your team will only be as vulnerable as you are. Any, Any team will only be as vulnerable as a CEO is. And so if we have CEOs who are just fundamentally uncomfortable with feelings, um, then they're going to have a hard time building that trust. Well, let's let's challenge that a bit because this scares the shit out of me about what you're saying right now. is like, I want to be more vulnerable. I want to open up more. But I have had some people say like, hey, maybe that's too much. Maybe people don't want to follow someone who's airing all their shit. And so like, how can someone be vulnerable without dumping or creating a feeling of like, I can't follow this person's lead. They're so messed up. Yeah. I would say acknowledge the nuance that there are, and trust your gut, there are some moments where it is better to refrain, but there is a gray area. There is no black and white answer to that. Like there is always going to be nuance. And I think leaders should really trust their gut in what they need to share. In the context of organizational health and leadership development, what you're really getting at is being vulnerable in psychological safety. I'm not sure. It's up to you how close you are. I could, we could have people listening here who say that their workplace is like a family and that they have friends who will be lifelong friends from work where they feel comfortable talking about stuff that's more personal. I could also have somebody listening here who's like, I would never share personal things. I don't trust these people. So the answer to that, I think, is more in the psychological safety field where it's like your vulnerability needs to look like I made a mistake. That was the wrong call. Like I put this in this place. I made this decision without consulting you. I wrote that email and stepped on your toes and it was not the right thing to do. So it's being humble in your vulnerability and being able to say that I don't get it right all the time. And so I'm not going to be sitting here pressuring you to get this work right all the time. Oh, you have a sick kid or this is going on in your personal life and you're having a really terrible day. Same here. You know, I give you kind of some of that space for that. Um, So if you are curious where that line is, start pushing the needle on psychological safety a little bit, being vulnerable with your mistakes and see how people react. If you notice that yeah. then after that, your people are still holding their cards really close to their chest, you might have a trust problem. Mm. Now that's really helpful because my mind immediately goes to like, I want to tell people about all of my insecurities versus like, <laughs> no, maybe I just tell them about mistakes. I mean, I like that a lot of saying, let me own my mistakes in front of them to show like I'm not this perfect, I'm not this perfect human. Although I think in a lot of ways, that was the way I came up was, I almost need to be showing up in a way of almost inhuman. I've been told before that they were like, I mean, this was 10 years ago when I was just figuring a lot of this stuff out, but some of the employees were like, yeah, you're not even like a person. You're like this robot who shows up and like a high performance, no mistakes, every checking, every box, like you never get upset or I'm not sure. I would get angry because I wanted more from the team, but I would never be like, oh, I messed up. So it's interesting to see that a lot of that was the fear. And even now it's like, there are times where because of personal stuff, I do get burnt out. I mean, I'm probably always burnt out, but like, I really get to the point where I can't perform. And then I'm so afraid to tell the team that that's where I am. So instead I show up 
half-assed and then they're like, oh, Nick's checked out and doesn't care about the company. I'm like, no, 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 I care about the company. I'm yeah. just suffering in my personal life and I can't even bring it up because it's not safe for me to say. Yeah. And I think that's fair. If it's your personal life, that's fair. If you, you know, there's a difference between sharing all of your insecurities and one of your insecurities. You know, there's a difference between airing all the things that are going on in your personal life versus saying like, I am super overwhelmed. I imagine you all must be too, you know, and give people a follow-up to your behavior. You know, if, if you're starting to feel like, oh, they're seeing me a little checked out, give them some feedback and commentary about maybe like, what are you going to do to check back in if they've said something like that? You know, yeah. um, I think that point when we get so burned out, we can't even speak, like put words together. We need to really take time away. Like, and I mean, away, away, no phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> no phone and no email and drop into your body and become, you know, a human being again so that you can breathe and find the words again to like be a little bit more functional for your health and wellness. Um, but yeah, it, that, that, that dark space is really hard to speak in and to speak to and to even offer feedback for somebody. So that resonates with yeah. me. I tried to do something yesterday that was relatively new for me. I tried to eat lunch without the TV on and without touching my phone. Yeah. It was very hard. Yeah. It was very hard. It was like the, uh, the like that practice alone, um, I thought would be really helpful. And I can't remember if that's something that you had mentioned of like yes. taking an actual lunch break. So I was, I don't know if it was because I knew I was interviewing you today, but yesterday that just literally popped into my head was like, gotta eat lunch without distraction, like really taste your food, take your time. And I yeah. think I, I picked my phone up no less than six times and like click the button on the side and then we're like, no, 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 put it down. So yeah. it's an amazing practice. It was really interesting to see how I forced a moment of, and I didn't, wouldn't say forced, I created a space for presence that mm -hmm. would have otherwise mm -hmm. just been total distraction. Yeah. And that's what we talked about with the YPO group was like, don't wait for vacation to do that. Don't wait for the weekend. You could do that five times a day. You know, yeah. I I even work with somebody who gets very overstimulated by like bright lights and loud noises. And to me, that signals your whole nervous system needs to turn off. And they started curling into a ball, blank, you know, blanket, black over their eyes, no phone, no light for five minutes in their office twice a day. And it's just like, a, I can be human. And that has mm -hmm. helped sustain people throughout the day. And there's so much coming out about people like using cots as chairs now. Um, there's just so much trending online about people taking naps and just turning turning down the volume a little bit. Um, but overall, what I always get from that is like, well, when I wake up, the problem is still going to be there. And when I come back from lunch, it's still going to have, I'm still going to have 70 emails. Well, we either... One thing we talk about in social work is we either change the delivery of services or the staffing. We do a lot of analysis on can the work that we do change? Can you figure out how to cope within this environment or do you need to move on? And I, I don't think those are three hard and fast buckets, but that's where leadership team, leadership team coaching comes in is that I really do think leadership teams can 
redesign their environments in ways that help people thrive and flourish um, and not run themselves into the ground. And so is that mostly, like when you look at what your company does, is it mostly working with teams or individuals? Teams. Okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. is it, I, I know it's, you know, from what I read in your bio, it's mostly focused on nonprofits. Do you do work with for-profits as well? I've done a couple for-profit companies. Yeah. And the design work that we're talking about has predominantly been with nonprofits. Because okay. our work is so draining and fast, or nonprofits, there's so many different types of nonprofits. I just say social services. Um, but yeah, the work can be so draining, similar with healthcare environments. The go, 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 go is present, but there's an issue of not being paid, like an underpayment. And uh, for the time that you're going and you're so, so tired because you're absorbing a lot of crises and a lot of other people's pain. So burnout is crazy there. And that's why redesigning things, shifting things around, looking at different sources of funding and getting really creative with how you deliver services to people is one of the primary services that we offer. Okay. And I think I told you this when we first spoke that most aviation companies don't make money. So technically yeah. speaking, my, my <laughs> industry is nonprofit. Um, so I think that means my whole industry qualifies as clients of yours. Yeah. Yes. And it's go, 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 go. It's absorbing yes. a lot of people's pain. Ask any flight attendant. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. So hopefully you could support our industry because we really could yes. use the balance. I think that, you know, really, really getting to the heart of it. It's one of the hardest things about the work we do. And I, I don't know how much I told you about this before, but we, you know, we do things like organ transport. We fly doctors to go mm -hmm. harvest organs mm -hmm. to save lives. And, you know, everyone's kind of pushing the limits. They're not home for long periods of time. They're working through the middle of the night. When, every, when you're on vacation, they're working because we provide all those services. Um, mm -hmm. It's really been a goal of mine to say, how do we build the company that like we as a leadership team would actually want to work for that really sees the value in people and doesn't just say like, you're a pilot, you're an asset. We could drive you to the limit the way we drive a, mm -hmm. you know, the maximum hours on a plane. Um, so I think, I think in a lot of ways, like this is my cry for help. It's like, I think our industry yeah. has done such a terrible job of taking care of the people. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even, even as we're talking, I'm like really inspired to say, how do we find more ways for someone like you to come in and support mm -hmm. us and look at the way we do things. So I'm sure there'll be a follow-up on my end of saying like, yeah. Let me show you how duty schedules work. And I'm sure they're in the medical field. It's probably the same thing. It's doctors going out to harvest organs or going for 20 hours straight, 24 yeah. hours straight sometimes. Um, right. But to that end, I am curious about your company. So what does the name mean? Um, yeah, it's an interesting name. And I get this question a lot. Uh, it's B Renovo. The B is for breath and the Renovo is for renewed. Um, it means renewal in Latin. And it mm. is, uh, the name actually embodies the moment that we stop and like slow down enough to take a moment to center ourselves right before we start that path of renewal. And the breath is so vital to preventing and becoming resilient toward emotional exhaustion and burnout that I was like, I tried all these different ways. I was like, I need to get this in my name somehow because I think the breath is our greatest friend and it's our greatest teacher. But we always forget that there is this moment right before we decide to change that starts us on a path toward organizational health, organizational change, um, individual, personal development, 
a career change, there's a moment that we have to stop and say to ourselves, this is not working. And my name honors that. Um, and the company's name embodies that moment because we go back to that multiple times when things get really difficult as the motivation and the source that's going to keep you. Why did you start this journey in the first place, right? Why did you start change and renewal in the first place? You knew something had to change. I mean, it's I'm intrigued because it's also like really good timing. I just started breathwork practice and uh, yeah. I'm also trying to find a way. For me, the breathwork practice that I'm doing is really more about getting into witness consciousness. They kept on saying like, yes, I can be in my pain. I can be in my suffering. I could be in my struggle. But if I could just create a little bit of space that I can witness myself in that pain, wit witness myself mm -hmm. in that struggle, then I actually can do something about it. They say like, where is that coming from? Or what is causing it? So I think that's mm -hmm. really cool that you're talking about that. I wonder, is there, Timing. you know, for, for people that are curious about breath practices, and I know like meditation has been peddled at us for, you know, a long time Perfect. now, and a lot of people are not sold on it yet. What breath practices do you recommend for people that are saying, I do want to start there and I want to connect more to myself and I want to find those tools to downregulate in the moment? Is there any body of breathwork study that you recommend? Um, I will always um, start with a four, seven, eight, like it's called box breathing. And I definitely know you have listeners who are like, Ugh. <laughs> um, not four, seven, eight, there's four, seven, eight, and then box breathing. But um I was one of those people, and that's why I keep commenting on it. I had my own experience of burnout and and trying to start like healing from all of that was so ugh, like everything. It was like nothing is gonna take away this over no little small step is gonna take away this overarching problem. Um, but for some reason, I just kept showing up, even though it wasn't feeling like a big impact doing box breathing. Um, there are a lot of breath work. You know, I, I'm all about like giving toward people who are um, kind of up and coming, but there's a lot of breath work facilitators who are offering um, $5 session, Instagram, Thursday at two o'clock, right? You look at your schedule and you're like, look, I'm available at two and I'm going to go over to Instagram. There's a ton of breath work on the Insight Timer. Um, and 478 breathing is the breath work that general practitioners often give people when they are stressed out. So um, that's probably where I would start. Just feeling what it's like to pay attention to your breath. Even if you do that for two minutes, just experiencing what that's like. I'm actually curious, is four, seven, eight, like four in, hold for seven, out for eight? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's important when you feel thoughts to just acknowledge them and kind of just let them know and not judge yourself for them coming through. You know, that's going to be something that helps you build this ability to nurture yourself. And I know we've talked about this before. Um, there is a difference between self-care and self-nourishment. You know, nourishment is the things that we do as a ritual that keep us healthy that make us feel mentally healthy, that keep us grounded and centered. So we feel like we're actually nourishing and feeding ourselves in a sustainable way. And they're rituals that we eventually can't live without. Self-care sometimes starts to feel like a list that you're given. Just go take a bath and go do this one thing, this one thing. Um, and I, I think when you get even more things for your list, then you become even more burdened. So starting to think of tools 
as a thing that you need to survive is going to be a better approach than think thinking of it as something that you need to do. I, I remember you saying that once before, and I I just couldn't really anchor that. Like it, it, on some level, if I believe it's something I need to do to survive, I'm assuming that like my motivation should be much more there of like I have to do this today. It's not mm -hmm. even like, it's not something that I have to, like, maybe if I find time, it's like, no, I must do this because this is a survival thing. So is that really what the spirit of that is, just to raise your impetus to do so? Well, when you do it, you realize you can't live without it. And that's really what we're talking about here. Right now, we're speaking about these things theoretically as if they are on a list. But when you live them and you're, you're in a ritual and your mindset is committed to this. Like there is nothing more important in this moment than for me to stop, slow down. And whether it's for you, it's eat with nothing going on. There's nothing more important in this moment because I need this to turn the lights off and curl into a ball. Like that is what I need to be doing. When you do it, you get the fruit of it repeatedly if you do it over and over. And I think that's, that's really the impetus is you receive from what you're pouring into yourself. And I would like to say to people that they're worth stopping and slowing down. So how does all of this relate to fulfillment, given that I think most of the people that are driving themselves as hard of, as hard as I am, when I say the promise, land, that's what I'm really talking about. I'm like somewhere on the other side of me, just dragging myself across the street at a million miles an hour, there's going to be this moment of like, I could finally breathe and it's enough and I feel it all in my heart and everything's amazing. Or you could turn the podcast off and die right now of a heart attack. And I know that that's not, and like, you might not want to put that on, but that is really my first gut reaction is that like what we have right now is what is in front of us. And if, if I'm looking at Nick right now and it's like, you are a ball of stress and you are a ball of striving, everything in the future doesn't really even exist. And and I'm not talking to you in a way of like, I'm kind of la-di-da person and I'm just like, go with the wind. I'm very driven and very ambitious. I do think of the future. I think of my own promised land, but I will not let it kill me. See, that's not a tool. I'm not giving you a tangible skill. That's a thought. That's yeah. my mindset. I'm not letting the future kill me. I'm not going to tear myself into knots thinking about this problem, absorbing this person's energy, taking this issue on when it's not my issue. The future really doesn't exist. And the way we think about the future and the promised land is something that we need to do some real digging on. Mm. Well, let's stay there for a second, because it is something that you've done on like, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people and I'm like, give me all the nuggets. Give me all the <laughs> nuggets that I could consume and then keep running ahead while watching television. But right. <laughs> it's, it's really cool to hear you keep going back to none of this shit matters unless the mindset is right. Right. Like it really yeah. doesn't matter. Cause I think in the same way, it's like, oh, you could exercise and eat well because you hate yourself, mm -hmm. right? You could like, you could totally shame yourself into doing things that appear to be healthy and for, mm -hmm. you know, again, for self-care, it really sounds like it is this powerful, like to me, this is the witness consciousness is why am I doing anything I'm doing? Am I doing it because I'm not enough or am I doing it because I deserve everything? Yeah. And I really, I really appreciate that reminder. Yeah. I, I also, um, like I really, I think the self introspection and self awareness is really, really good, but the purpose of it is emotional freedom. 
right? It's that we do something with it to where we, you know, when we examine our thoughts and examine our mind and our motivations, it's so that we can make a decision from that that will help us thrive, whether it is leave the job, change, you know, change the way we do the job or uh, ask for ask for more help, something else that we might need. Um, but really, this don't we don't want to be in a state of like endless self introspection and do nothing with it. You know, this idea that we're like, I know I'm burned out and I'm going to Google CEO burnout and come up with this list. I mean, good luck. Go go try to do the list before you actually interrogate yourself. And when you interrogate yourself, then try to take some steps towards it. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely hitting on the head. I'm usually very fast to do exactly that thing. Like, oh, look at me. I'm so self-aware. I'm going to go make a list and then create an Asana project. And then also <laughs> tell you know my team to support me in this and tell my partner to hold me accountable. And it's like, oh, I just created a whole other responsibility thing for me to do. And it, uh, yeah. it didn't create any space for the thought. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. I mean, of all the of all the mindsets or the ways to view oneself, is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you're like, it is another important mindset to come from as you think of unwinding yourself from like the concept of a human doing versus a human being? Yeah. And a human machine versus a human being. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, you know, I really think that there are some folks um, who can easily put a dollar amount on everything that they do this amount of time. If I grind this hard, I won't miss this opportunity. If I connect with this person, if I do this, then my career is going to be like this and they can put a dollar amount on everything. And I just would encourage people to put a dollar amount on your health and your emotional freedom, your mental health and your emotional freedom. There is a cost, you know, when you don't tend to yourself, there is a cost there. You don't know where it's going to show up. You don't know when it's going to cut catch up to you. And it's not really a I'm not sending out like a red flag, doom and gloom warning, but I am saying it's something to consider how much, you know, time with your family financially is worth and how much time with yourself personally caring for yourself is worth. Um, And it's very rarely factored in to our equations. Well, I feel very well sized up today. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for seeing me, even if I didn't want to be seen. Um, <laughs> thank and, you for being uh, honest. Yeah, no, my pleasure. It's, I feel like this is pointless if I'm not right. At the end of the day, I really, uh, I imagine there's a lot of people that experience the same stuff, and uh, I'm always happy to throw myself under the bus anytime I get a chance. <laughs> Self love for the win, but yes. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to know as we as we kind of you know come to a close of the episode, given all that you've done, given how I mean you just are such a wealth of knowledge. I think anytime we've spoken, you just always have such. You, I love that you don't even answer my questions. You're like, that's a bad question. This is this is really how you should be thinking. And I know you don't say it that way. You say it with compassion, but I respect that you're like, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm actually going to answer what I think I really hear is coming up here. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I just feel like you're, you're you're so accomplished. You're helping so many people. From where you are today, what is your dream beyond? What do you wake up thinking like, I can't wait to see this happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to turn B. Renovo into like a twofold practice. 
Um, I think that the work that I do is in a cycle. You know, we have organizational health and leadership development at the top with skilled people um, at the bottom going into fulfilling lives. And we're all just in this cycle. When you're taking care of the top, you're taking care of your people. And um, I, I plan to grow this business into something where we're really, really taking care of people who are often not taken care of, like our teachers, our social workers, um, our healthcare frontline people, uh, and our forgotten folks. So I just really am interested in making sure the people who are the bosses of those folks are um, growing in their own personal journey and organizational health. Mm. Well, thank you for helping support me in mine. And <laughs> I mean, I'm always, me. I'm always inspired whenever we talk. And if, if you two are inspired uh, by what Brittany's talking about, you could check out berenovo.com. Uh, we'll leave, you know, we'll have all the links in show notes. Uh, and again, really the work she's doing is incredible. It's organizational health and professional development, also life and career coaching. I would probably say I need all of those things. <laughs> so go check out her website. And again, I'm just so grateful to just watch your journey and, uh, and have an incredible resource to help me make sense of mine. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Nick LinkedIn.com slash in slash Nick Tarasio or YouTube.com slash N Tarasio.